This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We are going some new places. And it's going to be so fun. So just kind of like, if you have a picture of what you think tonight is going to look like, just take it and throw it down the drain. Because truly, when we give him permission, nobody knows. I don't even know. I, I know what I've written down. But man, he's my shepherd, so he might be doing something buck wild. So just like allow your heart to trust him. Not just in your head of this idea of I know you're good, but allow him to like lead you through every moment of tonight. Yeah. Um, first things first. Um, there's some bigger things even beyond tonight that I feel like are going on that I would love for Pastor Kathy to come tell us about. But remember, as she comes and shares some announcements, listen. She's not your shepherd, man. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So to whatever she has to say, it's great. But let the Lord lead you in whatever she says. He's our shepherd. Yeah. Cool? Oh, um, I got you. You can just talk me. next to my cheek. If you want. I know, that's right. We'd be one anyways. Actually, what I have to share goes completely with everything that... Um, has come out of Nate and um, what's about to come out of Nate and what happened in worship. Um, I've been alluding for probably months, I don't know, maybe 20 years, I don't, I don't know, um, to changes. And I think it's so important that we're open to what God's actually doing uh, in us and in the earth and in the church. And so um, God's going to give us opportunity to, to explore. And the first thing I want to say about that is, um, like Nate said, get excited. Because the changes, though they may shock us in the natural, um, they're actually not as abrupt as they seem. I mean, every change that you'll experience in your life actually started the day you were born. So, I mean, you're, it changed. You came out. Seriously. So, um, <laughs> I mean, right? Like, that's different. But um, I want to encourage you all, um, starting tonight, when I tell you what's going on, you're getting sent. Many of you have been committed in so for a very long time. Some of you have been committed so far back that you were at the original training center here. And so the whole aspect of what God is doing in filling our hearts and then overflowing us into the earth, some of you have been in the midst of it for 30 years nearly. And so I want to encourage you, when I tell you the change you're being sent, and the change is this, next week will be the last Wednesday night. Because Wednesday night is being increased. And so instead of this one night a week, one course at a time, there's going to be a multiplicity of courses and small groups offered in Living Faith. You'll be able to register for all kinds of topics, all styles of small groups. And I, what excites me in, in meeting with the guys, we meet every Wednesday, um, the younger pastors, we meet every Wednesday and we dream about what is God doing? You know, what what is it that when we are taught, what's really happening? And so some of you have been being filled, not just exploring and, um, 
you know, being curious for yourself, but you've been being filled to go into other small groups and stimulate people with your hunger, with your commitment, with your curiosity, with even your knowledge, even, okay, and I'll say this about myself as well, the knowledge I don't yet have. Because that's what hunger is. Hunger is a hunger for knowledge that we don't yet have. So we're going to have fun tonight. Nate is going to share what's really burning in his heart, and I believe it's really attached to this. And then next week, we're going to seriously have a night of worship together, like unplugged, off-grid. We're going to worship God together, and we're going to allow the change that has come to our house that the lead pastor has gotten directives for from God. I mean, come on, guys. Sometimes a pastor does things. We think it's a man. No, no. God's directing something, and you're being used in the midst of it. So you both... You get to both be blessed and your own curiosity, but then you also get to stimulate other humans. Okay? So next week, last Wednesday night, that includes chats, but chats is not going away. Chats will now be an offshoot. So the School of Word and Worship is continuing, but it's being multiplied. I mean, Jesus did that all the time, right? He multiplied things. He hung out with three people, then he had 12 people, then he had 70, then he had hundreds, then he had thousands, now he's got bazillions, right? So I want you to realize that this is not actually an ending. It's important for us to understand that in the earth, because God never stops anything. The spirit of things continue in different methodology. So there will still be the chat model that'll meet, and you go on the website, I believe. You're back there, Babette, right? Things will be announced on the website, and um, some things you'll probably hear on Sundays. But just stay up on what's being offered, because I think there's going to be a multiplicity even each month, things each week where you can sign up and be in groups that are small enough to sit and visit and chat and ask questions and learn and grow and activate everything that's living inside of you. Does that make sense? Is anybody excited? I know it can feel shocking, but I've sort of been sowing seeds like, please get ready for change because it's coming. <laughs> okay? So living faith is growing up. And now it's time for something fresh, but the same spirit. Lovers of God. Lovers of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys so much. Thanks. Oh, you don't need that. I got my cheek and mic. Thank you so much for doing that. And if you have any questions, Pastor Gavin, is, you've probably seen some, oh, they're not up there. But it says on June 4th, it's like cast the vision. Pastor Gavin's going to come on June 4th and explain all this, what it looks like. And yeah. So if you're sitting here like, I'm excited, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yes. Spread the word. Yes. Is everyone good still? Everyone still got him as their shepherd? It's so funny because, it's so funny because, Sometimes when he's leading you, you don't even know where he's taking you, um, but it's better than what you expected. And um, I feel like tonight it's going to be like that. So uh, if you guys just relax, we have a huge opportunity to explore tonight. And um, it's been stirring up in my heart recently, probably probably my whole life. But this Monday was kind of accentuated 
um, God was explaining to me this difference between what I've been longing for and what I've been settling for. And what I've been settling for is getting to know God academically. I've been really, really enjoying that and letting that be enough. I know the scriptures. I know things about him. I know doctrine. And the thing is, I've settled for just knowing that. But he's telling me, like, sometimes I'll get up here and I'll learn things about God. And they're really cool revelations. You guys are like, oh, my gosh, where do you get that from the Lord? But then I come and I come up here and what I do is I explain God to you. And then you guys get information and you go and you do your thing. And it's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with information. Huge fan of information. I love it. But God is trying to take me to a place where he's not just explaining things or me explaining things, but actually demonstrating things. Like he wants me to explore him, which I think explaining leads to information, but exploring leads to encounters. If you're exploring something, you may run into things you can't even explain. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not limited by what we understand or information. Does that make sense? So this this whole journey, like, please bear with me. I don't know what it's going to look like, but my hunger right now is not to puff you guys up with information tonight. I just am in love and I want to present him to you and then you can fall in love even deeper as well. Then we could go crazy exploring him. One of the things about exploring like love is there is no end. It's just endless. So if you're in here looking for an arrival point, please get up and get out. (laughs) I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't say that. I probably shouldn't. No, stay here. Everyone relax. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me say it like this. I think this message is very relevant for whether you're very hungry for God or not. Um, I think it'll hit both. There are areas in my life where I'll be honest, I'm actually not hungry for God. And I'm like, I'm happy, satisfied with just Netflix or whatever. But I want to give him permission to change my mind. And he's that good of a God that he'll do it. So sorry, I don't mean to yell at you guys. Unless it's okay. You want me to yell at people? Okay, cool. All right, cool. So if you guys have your Bibles, um, why don't you open up to... Actually, don't open anything. Let me tell you. You want to talk about exploring? When you think about exploring the Bible, do you remember any stories about people exploring in the Bible? Any exploring stories? Come on. Yeah, what are some exploring stories? Abraham. Abraham? I like it. Leave your home. You leave everything. There were some spies that went out in Numbers. You remember that? Where God literally promised a land to us. He's like, this is yours. I'm inviting you into this promised land. And he sends spies out. And what happens in there is everyone goes in and sees the same thing. Everyone tastes the same thing. Everyone experiences the same thing. Go in the same land. They all have the same God, but they come back with different reports. And so one thing that's very helpful as we go into this next season as a church, but also individually, personally, is to understand that we all may be exploring together, but see things completely different. Some people may see changes coming down the pipeline and go, that's terrifying. We had it better in Egypt. Why don't we have the old training center? Nothing wrong with that. It's how, but we're all exploring. I'm telling you, I'm just giving you a heads up. When we go to explore, sometimes our perspective, we may see the same things, taste the same things, listen to the same messages, but all leave here going, this guy's crazy. <laughs> or, be, or leave there going saying, dang, God has given us, he's invited us deeper into this. Do you see what I'm saying? All of it's the same in the natural, but we see things differently. It's funny, um, that was um, the Old Testament. Let's take our time there. You guys want to take your time there? Let me tell you what happened to Moses there. It's so funny. The, the reason why I give you a heads up about that is because I believe there is a maturity happening. He's taken us to a place where, where um, 
like Moses uh, in Deuteronomy, not Deuteronomy, it's Numbers. Numbers, I think it's chapter 14. He gets this report back, this super split. And, and Caleb is like, yes, it's awesome. This land is great. Let's take it. God has given it to us. These guys are just going to be like embarrassed by how powerful our God is. They're, he's going off. It's like, it's great. But then the other people are like, no, this is terrifying. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We got to go home. Let's take us back to Egypt. They're going to take our kids and our wives. They're going to do, they're, they're freaked out. So these, these two reports, Moses believes Caleb. Moses, it says Moses and Aaron, they both ripped their shirts and they were crying. They were so upset because they're listening to their people hear the natural and honor the natural and fear and be in trembling and be worried about the natural things and not honor their God. So they're upset. So Moses trusts God more than he trusts the report from the people, right? Up here in Moses' head. There's a wonderful time up there. But then you go a couple chapters, maybe six chapters deep, and you're in, in Numbers chapter 20, and God is talking to Moses, and Moses, he says to Moses, hey, Moses, um, what is it? Moses chapter, sorry, uh, Numbers chapter 20, verse 8. Do you have that scripture now? No, no, it's okay. I got it here. It says this. It says, this is God talking to Moses. It says, uh, take the rod you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the yeah, to the congregation and their animals. Okay, so they're complaining about not having water, and God is like, okay, I'll get you water. Moses, go speak to the rock. And then don't put this one up, because I'm reading the NLT, but it says in verse 12, it says this. He actually didn't hit, he didn't speak to it. He hit it twice. He went, pop, pop. Okay, And this is the Lord's response in verse 12. It says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness the people of Israel, to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. And this was crazy. It was crazy to me because where we're going, brand new land, we're going to explore this place together. And I'm watching Moses trust God in his head. He knows God is good. But when it comes to actually do what God's asked him to do. He was disobedient, and therefore God didn't get to demonstrate his holiness to his people. And I, you know, you might think it, but I feel very similar to Moses, where I say in my Bible, I know you're good. You're my shepherd, I shall not want. I know all the scriptures. If you ask me, I'm up here teaching about how good he is. I'm sitting here with a mic on my cheek, and I'm telling you how good God is. But when I go home, sometimes I do not trust him to actually walk it out. And therefore, I, God does not get a chance to demonstrate his holiness in my home in areas. I can say, God, I know you're good. You're so forgiving, but I can be so terrible to my own wife and to my own kids. I'm not beating myself. I'm just saying that there's this, there's this discrepancy sometimes in what we understand and know and trust in our heads and what we actually allow God to demonstrate in our lives. And I'm personally very tired of it just for myself. I want God to demonstrate who he is on the earth in, pow in, in power and majesty. I want him to move on the earth. But... This is the earth right here <laughs> that he wants to move through. And so it, I want to migrate us from a place of knowing who God, like Moses knew and trusted God. But here it says that God is saying, because you didn't trust me, I couldn't demonstrate myself. And the crazy thing is they still got water. So it's not like God's not moving and doing miracles. It's a personal thing. That, that I believe God is moving. I believe God is moving and he's going to do powerful things here. But I would hate to be in a place where God's like, oh, oh. 
why don't you just trust me? I'm speaking from experience with my son. Like I tell him to do something sometimes and he disobeys me. But what breaks my heart is not the disobedience. It's the fact that, oh my gosh, he doesn't trust me. That's what breaks my heart. So I pull him aside and I'll tell him, Levi, I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. Do you not trust me? You don't think that I'm good? You don't think, you think I'm, you know, and we have a conversation about trust. It's been so crazy to have that vulnerable conversation with your son. But I realized my dad is doing the same thing. He's like, I'm asking you to do this because I want you to trust me. But if you do not trust me, I can't demonstrate my goodness here. So when we're exploring, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Okay, we'll keep digging in. So, So we need some help trusting him, okay? Right? All right, good. Well, let's go to the New Testament story. This is a very, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Um, It's a very similar idea in the sense that in the Old Testament, Moses and the people were getting invited into this promised land. So they're getting invited in. But in this one, Martha is inviting Jesus in. And he's like, I want to invite you in. So Moses Moses is invited to a place with Jesus and Martha invites Jesus into a place. Both of them are spending time with Jesus, but uh, Martha's a little distracted. So we'll go to verse 38 here and and just read what's going on. Now it happened as they went to, sorry. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus's feet. Oh my gosh. Spoiler alert, that's a key there. Sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted, spoiler alert, that's a key there, with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Oh, sorry. Jesus, help me. So you have Martha who invites Jesus personally into his house and is sitting there in the presence of Jesus and saying, Jesus, do you not care that I'm doing all this by myself? Can you tell Mary to come help me? And it's funny because like as we as we sit here, we read it as a as a Bible story, but I'm saying from personal experience, just today, when we're worried and stressed out about everything like going on around us, Mary and Martha are sitting in the same house with Jesus. But just like the promised land, they're seeing two different things. Mary is seeing a king who's worth sitting at his feet and just listening to it. That's what Mary's saying. But Martha's saying, this is not fair. Why am I doing all this? This is terrible. Jesus, what, do you not care? She's seeing a Jesus who doesn't care about her. How can you be in the same house with the same Jesus, same pain? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's the same situation, but as we explore our perspective, we could look at what Jesus is doing as we invite him into a place. We could say, like, let's say hypothetically a church. Let's say we want to invite Jesus into our service. But then he shows up and we're like, this is not fair. Why am I doing all this work? Why am I doing, you know what I'm saying? Well, Jesus is there. It's not bad. I'm not trying to be honest. I'm saying, I'm saying personally, what happens under stress when we're distracted, it's like it can take an opportunity to explore with Jesus and, and we can waste it on, you know, us, you know, complaining to Jesus, telling Jesus what to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm just speaking from experience, okay? <sighs> I don't like to, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak from experience. Like even with this, with this um, idea of presenting the word, it's like 
I could be so worried that this doesn't make sense. And I could be so worried that, um, I don't know, it doesn't come out right or whatever. I could be so worried that I could sit there and strive and get the, the most perfect message together for you and completely miss Jesus in it all. I can do something so Christian without ever consulting Christ. And then get mad at him for it. And then go to him and say, Jesus, you've got to tell me what to do. Where do I start? What verses do I use? And I'm sitting here telling Jesus what to do. I was like, do you even care what I'm about to do for your people? I can make me ministering to you about me ministering to you. I can do that. It's funny. That, it's easy for me, right? But let's put you in it. Let's put you in it now, okay? You could come here and say, he better teach that word. It better be a good word. If it's not a good word, he better. I came all the way. You don't know how it works. It's not fair. I worked so hard and you come with this lazy word. We got, oh, oh, Mary, Martha, her, you, I'm not saying you do that. But you see, but sometimes we could sit here and, and, and do this thing of like, we could all be in the same room that we invited Jesus into. We're just singing, take me from the head to the heart. And we're sitting there still in our head talking about the heart. I don't know why. This is coming to my spirit, so I'm going to follow it. So in Mark chapter 4, I think it's also verse 38. You don't have to put it up. Um, they're on this boat with Jesus, and the winds are blowing. And Jesus was the one who called him on the boat. He's like, we're going to go to the other side of the sea. And Jesus is sleeping at the bottom of the boat, and they wake him up because the big winds are coming. The water is getting the boat. They're about to die. And the first thing they say to Jesus is, Jesus, do you not care that we're going to perish? Same thing Martha said. Do you not care? And he wakes up and he, and he rebukes the storm and he, and he calms the seas and he's like, oh, you have little faith. He was much sweeter with Martha. Okay, I, I'll, I'll say that. But I, I'll say this. There, there's something that happens when we're so worried and so stressed that we look at Jesus and we, 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 like, we forget to think about what does he actually care about? I think it's no accident in, in Ma- Matthew chapter 6 where he says, seek first the kingdom. Before he ever talks about seeking first the kingdom, he talks about, hey, you have to understand how much I care about you. He says, look at the lilies. I dress them more beautiful than Solomon and all his glory. Look at the birds. They don't even matter and I feed them. <laughs> like He's like going, he's like, I care so much about that. Imagine how much I care about you. And then he says, seek first the kingdom because our focus can be so shifted by what we're scared of. It can be so easily shifted just by if we're worried or stressed. That's, that's what he's addressing in this verse here with Martha. He's like, you're, Mary, Martha, you're so worried about all these things and trouble, all these things, but there's only one thing worth worrying about. You want Mary to help, but if I was your shepherd, you would have no ones. I want this. I want it to. I want this teaching to be. Bad. I want. I want to keep so on Wednesday nights. I want to listen. I understand we have wants. I honor it, man. I have some wants too as well, but. If we allow him to be our shepherd, then we will not want. If you don't believe me, turn to um, Psalm chapter 23. I'd even say this. This is, this is David. I didn't put any bookmarks in my Bible because I'm trying to take my time tonight as we do this stuff. So Psalm chapter 23 says this. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Period. Shut it down. Turn the projector off. We don't need to look at this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Actually, let's keep reading a little bit. Okay, just a little bit, but just remember that, okay? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, not, I will feel no evil for you are with me. All right, we can keep going. I'm going to finish it. Don't, don't worry. But let me say this. 
Let me, let me just submit this to us, okay? And just, just lean back. Remember the Lord is your shepherd, okay? Right? Let, me, let me ask you this. If you have wants, could it be that he's not your shepherd? Come on. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. He says he restores my soul. If your soul does not feel restored, is he your shepherd in that area? What else? I will feel no evil. You have to think, I'm not, I'm not attacking you guys. I'm saying there's an order in how David talked. He said, you're my shepherd, so I will feel no evil. You're my shepherd, so my paths are righteous. You're my shepherd. Some of our paths aren't righteous, but the thing is, is he our shepherd in those paths? No judgment, no condemnation. I don't give a poop about your paths. I care about him being your shepherd. Because even a path that's covered with the, the shadow of the valley of death will look like a Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> like he can make the valley of the shadow of death look like, a, like I'm going I'm to make a table in front of your enemy and you're going to eat. The thing is, if your valley of the shadow of death looks ominous and scary and makes you worried and you're afraid, it's nothing against you. It's probably your shepherd. Who's been shepherding you? Because if it's him, then you shall not want. Oh my gosh. I'm to go back to the teaching thing. Listen, I want this teaching to be so, but the second he becomes my shepherd, I don't care if it's good or not. He's leading me. If it makes sense or not, it's on him. He's the one leading me. And for you guys in the blue chairs, I want this teaching to be so good. I want it to be helpful. I want it to be inspirational. If you want that so bad, if he's your shepherd, wouldn't you depend on him to lead you where to eat? Don't look at me, look for what to eat. I'm not here to feed you. I'm not your shepherd. But this, I'm, not, I'm not accusing you. I'm saying we're on the same page here. That If we have once, is he really being our shepherd in that area? You want, you want an easy traffic? It's like, listen, what if he wants more time with you? Yeah. What if he led you on the scenic route? But it's so important to catch this. As we explore, I mean, just look at where David's starting. He says, if he's my shepherd, I shall not want. Martha's sitting there. Oh no, we won't go there. We won't go back there. I'll, just, I'll leave it there. Okay, we're just we're just chill, 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 chill. chill. Everyone just relax. Okay. Oh Lord. Okay. You guys want to go to another psalm? No, we can stay here. Let me just let me let me just finish this one. But keep this as your perspective. The tippy top. The priority is the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. Lord, come be my shepherd so that I can experience what it's like to lay down in green pastures. Come be my, be my, be my shepherd. Leave me beside still waters. Restore my soul. You're my shepherd. I'm tired of trying to restore my own soul. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Do my past glorify him? No judgment, no kind. I don't care about your past. I care about is he shepherding you? Is he protecting you? Are you having a thing? See, this is the, this is the dilemma right here. Is, and this is what Martha was facing was, if you're your own protector, you have to look out for bears and foxes and tigers and all these everything. Like if you're, if you're a sheep for real, you're always, you're, there's no, you're so fluffy. There's no defense mechanism of, uh, besides cuteness that a sheep has. The only thing that uh, would keep a sheep alive is if uh, something saw it was like, you're cute. I won't kill you. <laughs> if you're your own protector, you, you have to worry about everything. If you're your own provider, you're constantly looking for things. If you're your own leader, you're constantly asking, is this the right or wrong way to go? Martha is sitting there stressed, worried. Jesus said, you're troubled. He says, why are you so, oh, I know why. Because you're having to protect yourself, so you have to worry about everything. Mar- Mary has found the one thing worth worrying about. Meaning, Mary has found me as her shepherd which means 
I worry about what you eat. I worry about where you go. I worry about protecting you. If you let me be your shepherd, I get to worry about all that stuff. So if you find that one thing, it's the one thing needed. And that's me as your shepherd. You shall not want. So Mary's found, and I'm not going to sit here and take that away from her. You're asking me to say, get up and start worrying to Mary. That's what you're asking me to do. You you invite me to your house, and then you get bothered she's enjoying me in your house? You want me to, hey, stop enjoying it. You're enjoying Jesus too much. But don't worry. I hope this is a lighter note here. I'll keep it okay. I, I will not feel, I'll feel no evil because you're my shepherd. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Oh my gosh. Anyone feeling anointed because they have a good shepherd? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Time out right there. Do you understand? Oh. The word follow there is like an animalistic pursuit. That's the Hebrew. The Hebrews would use the word follow as like a hunting, a prey pursuit. So when it says the Lord's goodness and mercy shall hunt me down like a lion, that's what it's saying. So when the Lord is our shepherd, instead of us being stalked by wild beasts, we are pursued by the loving, caring father. So instead of us having to worry about this eating me, we only have one thing chasing us down, and it's his goodness and his mercy. <sighs> Stalking us. That's what it means to be followed. But that comes with him being your shepherd. You see what I'm saying? So if you don't feel like his goodness and mercy is chasing you down, hey, listen, it might be, but you may be distracted by being worrying about everything else. <sighs> it's good stuff, yeah. It's good, Okay. Okay, now let's go to another psalm. Uh, psalm 63. We're in the threes. Listen, we got listen, we got Moses, Mary, Martha, and we got Psalm 63, 23, and probably 103 too. So M is M and M's and M's and then threes as well. 63. And remember, he's our shepherd. Okay, ready? Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Pause right there. Stop. If you're in here right now and your soul is not thirsting for him, let's go back to the tippy tippy top. Just like as my shepherd, oh God, you are my God. So if I'm not thirsting for him, is he my God in this area? If I'm not thirsty for him at, at night, if like, like for me, if like for this, I'll, I'll, I'll expose myself. Sometimes when I get in bed at night, I just want to watch Netflix or like see the playoffs, like the playoffs are on, some good games happening. <laughs> and for me, that satisfies me. I'm not thirsty for God because the playoffs are on. There's no judgment, no condemnation. But I realize that I'm not thirsty because he's not my God at night. Come on. I'm my God. I decide. I pick up the remote and I put it on because I decide what I get to do. I'm my God at night. And therefore, I don't thirst. Some of us read this and feel like, why am I not thirsty and feel bad? Well, he's probably not your God in that area. It's okay. There's no judgment. I'm not judging anybody. I'm saying from experience. Recently, it's shifted, but whatever. So my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. If your flesh is not longing for him, is he your God? And does you, Do you hear me? That's not like a mean thing, right? I'm not saying, is he your God, sucker? I'm saying <laughs> it's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's just like, it's just like this. Oh, Martha, Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Uh, Jesus is so sweet with her. And he's saying, he's saying, let me invite you. You're worried about all this, but let me invite you the one thing worth worrying about. It's an invitation. He's not saying, 
How dare you? He's saying, no, let me invite you to this. It's the same thing. If you're not thirsty for God, if you're not hungering for God in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, so if you're not looking for him in the sanctuary to see his power and glory, if you don't care about his power and glory, is he your God in that area? Like if you can go to work and not be consumed with his power and glory, who is the God of your work? No, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, that's me as well, okay? Because I can get to a work day without needing his power and glory in today's, with an iPhone and with, you know, AC. I'll be good. But I'm getting to a place where I don't want to be good without that. You know what I'm saying? I'm hungry for actual power and glory. But if that, if I, if I want that, he has to be my God. Okay, keep going. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. If you have trouble with your lips praising him, if you're having trouble bringing him praise, like I'm telling you, you don't have to feel like praising to praise him. You don't have to feel him at all to acknowledge him and engage with him. You don't even have to want to praise him to praise him. He is not saying, I want to praise you. He's saying, because your loving kindness is better than life, I'll praise you. So what's happening is there's a reality that David's aware of that not many people are. People are truly trying to kill him here. (laughs) This is actually his son, I think, at the time trying to kill him when he was in jail. It's like, there are people who are trying to murder him, and he's like, oh, your loving kindness is better than life. I'm going to praise you. And like we get stuck in traffic and then we give ourselves excuses to not praise him. And don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'll go on myself. Okay. Recently had a terrible family loss, heart shattering, depression. I mean, it was so tough on like my family to deal with. And what I did in that time was I gave myself an excuse to not praise God. No condemnation, no judgment. But I literally was sitting there going, God, how can I praise you at this time? I'm so sad. I'm so broken. His loving kindness never changed. But I was distracted by all the bad things that happened to me that week or whatever. I think I got food poisoning, all this stuff. A bunch of bad things happened at once. And I sat there like the people that did outside the promise end and said, wouldn't it be better in Egypt? I can't believe this. All these bad things are happening. And I'm sitting there complaining. Same God, same report, same promised land, same milk and honey, same all this stuff, same loving kindness. But I'm sitting there going, I have an excuse not to praise you, God. Why? Sorry, I'll leave that. I'll tell you, recently what I've been doing is just praising me. If I don't feel like it, I just go home, I'll put some praise music on, and I'll just be like, you're just good. And we, me and Levi just dance around our room, and we just praise him even if we don't feel like it. But we can get to how to do that in a second. We're almost there. Actually, I got to go faster. Okay, fine. I'll slow down. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll keep going. So remember, God's our God. My soul, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Okay. If your soul is not satisfied, is he your God? From experience, I watched this one show all the way through in one night, one sitting. It was crazy. Literally four o'clock in the morning, Megan's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got to know what happens next. It ended and it was a great show. And let me tell you, I was not satisfied. No matter how good it was, the twists and turns, the pop, pop, the action. Dude, they had the love story, the ones that kind of creep up on you, like, oh, they're, they're not good together, but then they end up being good together. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then I fell asleep and I woke up and it didn't satisfy. One time I had Mission Barbecue and I had Glory Days and I had three Krispy Kreme donuts and I had Coke. And that was in one sitting. 
And you know what? It didn't satisfy. It didn't satisfy. My soul wasn't satisfied. My belly was good, for real, too good. But my soul wasn't satisfied. And this is what I'm saying is, when we make food our God or Netflix our God or whatever, it's like sometimes we can sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, this is good. But at the, if we're really honest with ourselves, our soul is not satisfied because we're built to have him as our God. So if you're walking through your day and it feels like your soul is not satisfied, it's okay. No condemnation, no shame, no nothing. Just what if he was your God in that area? At that time of night or that time of morning? Okay, I'll keep reading. When I, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have my you have been my help therefore in the shadow of your wings i will rejoice okay let's just stop um that word meditate means to speak and what david's talking about here is when he's up late at night and he can't sleep he it says that he meditates it means to speak about the things of god or to fill one's mind so imagine david sitting there can't sleep and what he's saying he chooses to do is to speak with god or if you want for meditate he's sitting there saying I want to fill my mind with the things of God. My question for myself and for us as we go to explore is these late at night times when we can't speak or we can't um, sleep, whatever, what are we filling our minds with? If you can't sleep, what do you fill your mind with? And if you have no trouble sleeping, then fill in the blank. If you can't get your way at work, if you can't get your way in the, whatever, whatever it is, when you don't get what you want, then what do you fill your mind with? Not bad, but Colossians, I think it's Colossians 3, says it really clearly. I hope I have it down here. It says, if you are raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. You died and your life is hidden with the things of Christ. Okay. So at late at night when I can't sleep, am I setting my mind on things above or distractions below? No condemnation, but I'm just saying, sometimes you get there and you have all these options. I could listen to this. I could watch this. I could text this. I could post this. I could scroll here. I could. You think you have millions of options. But in the garden, there was only two options. In the garden, there was a bunch of stuff going on, but there's really only two options. And only one of them led to life. Okay? God said it like this. I think it's Deuteronomy 30. He says, Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I set before you life and death. But really, only one leads to life. Choose life. You see what I'm saying? There, there, there are options we have, and we, we think that we're just so inundated. Should I eat this? Should I do this diet? Should I work out here? Should I? And it's like, let's just choose life. It's so simple. It's so simple. Am I allowing life to fill my mind late at night, in the morning when I wake up, when I can't sleep? The passion says like this, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. Yeah, for that's where Christ sits, enthroned to the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with the heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Just like Martha was, what was she? she what was she? She was distracted. There was heavenly realities there at her fingertips she could have, but she was just distracted with the natural realm. Not a big deal, not the worst deal, but Jesus was just inviting her in. So how do we, does that make sense? One last verse here, and then we can go on to the practical, how do we do this, okay? Verse eight says, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. The only note I have for this one is Psalm 16, 11 says this, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand is pleasures forevermore. So if God is sitting here saying, your right hand upholds, or David sitting here, your right hand upholds me, it paints a picture of me being pleasures forevermore for him. That he's so pleased with me. If I'm at his right hand, 
And they're saying that at his right hands are pleasure forevermore. That means that I'm, he's, I'm his beloved son in whom he's well pleased forevermore. <sighs> Some of us are busy trying to get pleased and don't even know, man, he, well, he's so pleased with us. Okay. All this is great. Yeah. And I love it. But sometimes I'm also distracted. And, and honestly, like even hearing all this, just like Moses, I can know it in my head, but actually put it into practice is really hard. And one thing um, that I found is sometimes things get stuck in my head. They never actually get down to my heart or me actually experiencing it. And one thing that helps is like actually using my hands, practicing it, putting myself in positions or asking God to lead me into places where it's like, okay, address these things in my heart and giving him an invitation to like walk me into these places where I can trust him late at night or in the morning or at work or whatever it is. So I'm assuming we're all going to do that together and invite us to not this, let this be a teaching, but actually let it change our lives. Can I give you some helpful hints when we do? Okay, cool. Let's go to Psalm 103. I think it's the last one we got. So there's three kind of approaches and this will be done here. The first one's Martha's. So if you're ever in a place where you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm distracted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I don't know what to do, God. What did Martha do? She invited Jesus into her home, and then she just asked him a question. It wasn't that hard. We look at Martha like she's a bad guy in the story, but really, she's praying. What, what, do, what, what do you consider talking to Jesus? Martha invites Jesus into something, and then is stressed, overwhelmed, and says, Jesus, ask him a question, and then Jesus addresses her, and she's changed forever. So Martha's approach is simple. If you find yourself stressed and overwhelmed and worried about, distracted by the natural realm, you don't have to figure it all out. In fact, if you have questions, it's better because it'll lead you to Jesus. Step one, invite him into that situation. Step two, ask him a question. Even if it's off, Jesus will still put you on. She was so off. She's like, it's unfair. It should be all about me. Jesus Christ himself was sitting in her house. She's like, this is hard for me, Jesus. <laughs> And even with that pride and arrogance, God is still like, oh, Martha, my sweet Martha, no. So if you're in a place where you're stressed and overwhelmed, step one, invite him in. Step two, just ask him a question. Even if you're off, he'll put you on. So that's Martha. Mary's even more simple. Just sit at his feet. You could just sit at his feet. That's a wonderful tip. I think a lot of us have problems like with lingering with God and like letting him like take our attention, our time, because there's other things worthy of our time. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone tell a story and it's like just boring and you're just like struggling to get through listening. You're doing all the nods and stuff and you're even like pointing your belly button towards the door so they know you're done with this conversation. But like... But the only reason it's bothersome is because you think to yourself that there's something more worthy of my time. And so what happens is we can actually do the same thing with God. And it's like what Mary did, the difference between Mary and Martha is sitting at Jesus' feet was not worth Martha's time. There were way more important things to do. But it was worth Mary's time. And I think sitting at his feet is like, you know, it's kind of this airy, fairy thing. But for me, what it paints a picture of is, is there something more worth my time than being present with him? Is there something more worth my attention? So I ask myself my, that question. Sometimes when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I ask myself that question as well. Cool. And then the last way is this one. This is a fun one. This is a really fun one. Uh, so we got Martha's way, and this is David's way right here. Psalm 103, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your inequities, who heals your diseases. And he goes on, hold on. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like eagles. Okay, we can keep going on and on, but let's just stop there for a second. Who is this Psalm 2? This is a really funny one, but I'll, I'll stay serious because we've got to wrap it up here. But who is this Psalm written to? Huh? Yeah, it's written from David to David. He's saying, oh, my soul, you better stink and bless the Lord. You better not forget. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and you better not forget all his benefits. And then he goes on to say, oh, my gosh, who forgives all my inequities, who heals my diseases, who's been, and he goes on and on. I'll tell you this, sometimes, like the Martha way is like, you just invite him in and you ask him a question that's beautiful. Sometimes the David way is like what you need. Even when you don't feel like it, even if you're being chased and the people are trying to kill you, you just stop and say, okay, listen, soul, you better bless the Lord. <laughs> you can speak to everything inside of you. I think sometimes when, when bad things happen to me, I, like I said, some, some bad things happened recently, and it was like, it's so hard for me because the, the reality of the natural realm is so loud and so flagrant that it can be easy just to sit down and say, yeah, yeah you're right. Life is hard. Even in the midst of life being hard and you feeling overwhelmed and stressed, you can still tell your soul to bless the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it. I mean, he's, I'm sure he wasn't feeling it. He got into it, man. He goes on and on and on and on. It's funny because it's like, it's Martha and David. And I think it's kind of like girls and guys. I probably shouldn't say this, but sometimes my wife, when she's upset or something, oh, I probably shouldn't say this either. Just don't, just delete this, Linda. Just cut this out. But sometimes when my wife is dealing with things, how she processes it is she, she'll be like, everything's fine. She'll invite me to a nice dinner. She'll ask me questions. And then I realize later on, like, okay, there's something wrong. I had to figure it out. And like, that's Martha's way. Martha was like, come on in, Jesus. And then she's like, Jesus, don't you think it's wrong? I'm doing everything. <laughs> I've been caught there once. But then my way, David's way is, Everything's fine, so you better get it together. <laughs> and you kind of like, like you're just like telling yourself, you know, even though you're falling apart, you're like, so you better praise God, anyways. Anyways, I, I, you know, just edit that out, I guess. But I thought these were helpful hints for praising God, even as, just as we explore. If we come across things that are distracting, or come across things that make us uh, want to f- be afraid, or worry, or tremble, and it's like they take our attention away from sitting at Jesus' feet, I promise you. It isn't as worthy as you think of your attention. Um, or, or being fill, filling your mind with that. Let's say that, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So I want to just take a deep breath. <sighs> Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for who you are. We allow ourselves to be present right now with you. We thank you that you're here and that we invited you in to be here and that we won't waste that. It won't be taken away from us. There's only one thing worth worrying about. We thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for being our God. We thank you because you're our shepherd, we don't have to want for anything. 
Because you are God, our whole, our whole being, everything inside of us thirsts for you, hungers for you, God, and is satisfied by you. Thank you for restoring our souls. Thank you for um, satisfying our souls like only you could do. Yeah, Jesus. Shepherd us this week. Lead us this week like only you could do. We trust you, not just with our heads, but with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.